You've tuned in to Living the Miracle with hosts Michael and Raphael Tamura. You are meant to live a joy-filled life, and you most certainly can. In this program, you will learn simple yet powerful psychic tools to help you fulfill your soul's purpose in this world. Now, here are your hosts, Michael Tamura and Raphael Tamura. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. I'm Raphael. And I'm Michael. The purpose for our show is to awaken souls, develop intuition, and fulfill purpose. Today, we are calling our show Pomp and Circumstance, a soul's perspective on dying. And the reason why we have this title is this is the 13th uh, episode of a round that we have called A Soul's Perspective on Life, starting from pre-birth all the way through the death and dying process. Of course, any of us who has attended a high school or college graduation in America knows of the most famous of Sir Edgar Elgar's march, Pomp and Circumstance, from his trio section of March Number 1 in D., it's often referred to as the graduation march. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> of course, the title Pomp and Circumstance is taken from Act 3 of Shakespeare's Othello when the general is bidding his farewell to his occupation and to the pride, pomp, and circumstance of glorious war that shaped much of the man he was. Today, Pomp and circumstance can refer to any formal ceremony, but in the U.S., it is often tied to high school or college graduation, thus a section of Sir Elgar's Pomp and Circumstance March became most synonymous with graduation. Shakespeare was a master wordsmith. We know the pomp that goes with grand events, such as coronations, And in more modern times, sporting events like the Super Bowl and Olympics. But there's always been lots of drum beats, trumpets, and bagpipes, along with flag waving and fireworks to send soldiers on their march to battle. The circumstance of quote-unquote glorious war, however, seems quite different than that of, say, a coronation or graduation ceremony. Or is it? The circumstance of war is anything but glorious. It is full of error, terror, pain, suffering, and death. Yet for Othello, a career military man, a general, war is what makes him worthy and famous. Even if he were to die in battle, he would be remembered as a hero who gave his life for a great cause. Who is he if he can no longer fight? It reminds me a little bit of the Klingons in Star Trek. (laughs) (laughs) We celebrate coronations, graduations, weddings, tournaments, and other events with varying degrees of pomp. There is, interestingly enough, a common thread between all such events and soldiers being deployed to battle. Each serves as a major crossroads for the soul going through it. 
just as a soldier being sent off to war has to face the very real possibility of death, the soul who completes one chapter of its life and is about to move on to the next has to face its dying process. Because to an immortal soul, physical death is not the quote-unquote end of its life. Dying, from the soul's perspective, is a change of identity. When a person gets married, his or her identity as a single, footloose, and fancy-free adult must die, and he or she must now learn to live in close partnership with another person. The same happens when a person becomes a parent. When teenagers graduate from high school, often they move out of their parents' homes where they grew up and either go to work or go to college. The child dependent on the parent is dying and taking its big step to becoming a more self-sufficient young adult in the world. After a coronation, the person is looked upon as having the quote-unquote ultimate power in his or her realm. The regular person who he or she was dies, and the king or queen of that realm is born. In a winner-takes-all culture, in which second best is the big loser, to compete in the Super Bowl, Olympics, or World Cup, the athlete has to face his or her death. Win or lose, after the game, that person's life has significantly changed. The athlete before the game is no longer, and a new athlete must be born. Contrary to many people's perspective that death is an end, a soul's take on the final experience in this physical world for any lifetime is very much about a kind of graduation from this school of hard knocks. And just as graduation ceremonies are often called commencement exercises to a soul, its departure from this world is both a completion or graduation and a commencement or a new beginning. And so we should have a lot more pomp <laughs> when we consider the circumstance of our exit from this world. For a soul, exit from this world is a cause of joy and celebration, not fear, solemnity, and grief. When we depart from this world, we are graduating from our grade level here and beginning what might be considered both summer vacation and summer school in heaven. When we are ready to finally graduate from the whole school here, like graduating from university, postgraduate or whatever uh, level, with a true master's degree, we are finally done here. Being completely free, we can choose to return or not. As long as we're not done fully waking up while we're here, we'll be back to learn and practice some more. So you could say that you can't lose in this proposition. It's like being on the losing team at the Super Bowl. Before the game, no one ever wants to be on the losing team, right? We, it's, especially in this competitive world, it's like big loser if you're on the world stage and you lose. Even though 
you had to be a champion <laughs> in order to get there. In order to get there, all of a sudden that doesn't count anymore. It's strange, isn't it? But when you first lose in a tournament that's considered to be the end-all game of whatever that genre or sports or whatever it is, you probably won't be a happy camper. Yet, when you win or lose, you're given a golden opportunity to grow in your spiritual awareness, power, and fulfillment. This is one of the reasons that learning to and practicing getting out of all judgments is so essential to growing free spiritually. Because when we're not in judgment, everything that happens, even losing at the biggest game around or whatever, or something a lot more serious, all of our experiences become golden opportunities for learning, awakening, and growth. If you look through the lens of judgment, opportunities become obstacles. But take off those dark glasses of fear, resistance, and judgment, and you see everything in life as opportunities for fulfillment. So often, when you go through that pain of being on the losing team or something you do, you're expecting to succeed in it, and somehow it looks like total failure. Even so, if you really look at history, if you look, look at even your own personal history, you might find that sometimes it was in those somewhat very painful experiences at the time that later on, when you start to free yourself from all of that judgment, criticism, invalidation, all of that, that's not really real. Then you start to recognize, wow, I've, I learned so much from that experience. Everybody who's an incredible success in any arena of life has said, oh yeah, it's my failures. When I got over my failures and decided that instead of punishing myself as, as a failure, I learned from what happened. That's where the real learning happens. That's where oftentimes, that's where the real success comes from. So you can't lose. It's just at the time, it feels like being a loser. <laughs> it's really an illusion when you think about it that way. Yeah. <clears throat> so a soul's perspective on death and the process of dying is without judgment because spirit never dies. Immortality means eternal life. It's living without beginning or ending. There's nothing to lose. There's nothing you can lose. I remember going through great sorrow as a child whenever my critter friends died. It didn't matter if they were crawdads I brought home from the creek or giant Japanese beetles that somebody gave to me as, as uh, a gift. 
because I love little critters, or my favorite hamster that I brought home from school. They all eventually died, and I would cry for them and perform elaborate funerals. (laughs) I didn't know about pomp and circumstance back then, but (laughs) had plenty of that. But I wasn't sad for myself. I was sad for them. At least that's what I thought, and that's what I felt. I was sad for them that they didn't get to have a longer life. Somehow, I knew intuitively that they went on to a different place. I could even see the spirit of some of my creature friends leaving as they left their physical shells, if I was there when they were dying. I didn't know exactly where they went, but I knew they went. They weren't done. That's what made me sad back then. I was grieving for their loss. It's been a difficult lesson for me to learn all throughout my life, to have compassion but not go into sympathy. It took me a long time to realize that it was I who was imagining their loss. Did the crawdad or the hamster experience loss from their death? Well, knowing what I know now, I don't think so. (laughs) Going into sympathy with another is imagining what you would feel if you were in their shoes with your judgments, not theirs. If you were afraid of pain, you might imagine that the other person was feeling great pain and you would feel afraid for them. One way I start to learn about sympathy not being true was when I start observing in parks and other public places what happened when a small child, child fell down. More often than not, when a small child was running full on and fell down, wham! If no one was noticing, the child usually would get right back up and resume their running. If, however, most often, say, a mother or some other adult caregiver happened to notice and freaked out about the child falling, be guilty and afraid and rushed to go help the child, the child usually would start to cry violently. I observed this time and again growing up, and I start to realize that the person going through an experience was having a different experience than the person seeing that person, imagining what it must be like for that person. Well, our first break is coming up already, and this is the time we make announcements, and we're teaching a brand new set of teleclasses In our ongoing series, you might be more psychic than you think. The current set is all about your psychic abilities in everyday life. What are they? How do they affect you? And what to do with them? The next teleclass is on your psychometry, how objects tell stories. And that will be on Saturday, February 8th from 10 a.m. to noon Pacific time. Find out all the details and sign up on our website, events calendar section, michaeltamora.com, that's M-I-C-H-A-E-L-T-A-M-U-R-A.com, or call our office at 
888-346-2650 during normal business hours, Pacific Time, Monday to Friday, to talk to our wonderful assistant, Noelle, and she will help you with the sign-up. We will return in a couple of minutes, and we'll talk more about Pomp and Circumstance, a soul's perspective on dying. See you in a minute. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and entertained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with with us at be the star you are radio.com and the voice america empowerment channel are you satisfied with your life do you know that more should be possible listen for the access consciousness radio show with the creators of access gary douglas and dr dane here our program offers pragmatic tools to change things in your life that you haven't been able to change until now what if all of life could come to you with ease joy and glory Tune in to Access Consciousness Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Are you looking for a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Do you want your business to thrive? Do you want to enjoy better relationships and find your purpose? Tune in every week to Stepping Into the Tenda Dao Chung Life Transformation with Dr. and Master Shaw with host Diana Gold Holland, who will share the wisdom of Master Shaw. You'll hear from inspiring teachers and listen to testimonials about life transformation. Stepping Into the Tenda Dao Chung can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. in the West and 6 p.m. in the East on Voice America Empowerment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Hello again, everyone. We'll get right back to our topic of our discussion today, pomp and circumstance, a soul's perspective on dying and michael why don't you continue your thought oh that you yeah were talking about just before the break yeah just before the break i was talking about you know going into sympathy feeling sorry for someone uh in my case you know my little critters when they were dying and i i felt very bad for them but with the example that i mentioned earlier too <clears throat> of the little children that's running around in the park and then they slam on their face, you know, face first, wham, uh, usually on the gra- you know, grass and stuff like that. But they just brush it off and jump back and they start running again, as long as nobody's paying attention. <laughs> but if a caring adult person was, care- you know, paying attention, especially if 
that person was the mother or the caretaker for that kid. And they'd freak out. Then, invariably, the child would start screaming, you know, and and um, it wasn't until way later that I realized, oh, this happens just like in the airplane when a baby starts to cry and then everybody starts to put their energy toward that baby of, you know, oh, be quiet and uh, to the mother, uh, why don't you shut that kid up and all that. Those thought forms invariably get started and then the baby starts screaming. You know, it's, it's, it's one of the things that we all have to learn is if we resist something, it's just going to make it worse. Anytime you put resistance, I don't like that, yeah, and put your energy into it, that's your power. That's very powerful. You put that energy into whatever you're resisting that you don't want, it's just going to make the thing you don't want. It powers it up. Yeah, powers it up and makes it bigger. <laughs> but anyway, uh, that's when, when I start to connect the dots and go, wait a minute, I'm doing the same thing. When, when my little critter pets uh, would die, I was feeling sorry for them. And, and I'm, I'm, you know, feeling really bad and sad and everything because they, the poor thing, just didn't get a chance to go on and do more stuff or live longer. And I finally realized, oh, that's not, that's me. I'm the one imagining that this creature was going through all kinds of terrible stuff and and I wouldn't like it if it were me. So I felt bad. But I wasn't really looking at what are they going through. Then, you know, in um, uh, the times where I'd be at the funeral of somebody else, oh, even as a child, when I the few times I went to funerals, I can see the spirit of the of the person who died, and they're laughing, they're smiling, they're they're dancing, they're saying, waving at everybody, say, "Hey, you know, I made it." Ah, they graduated, and you know, when you graduate out of school, you celebrate. Was you celebrate your with your family and your friends and whatnot, classmates? But in a funeral doesn't seem like anybody's celebrating, everybody's sad, just like how I was with my critters, right? And I realized, oh, people are not aware that the person they're being sad for and about, they're having a, you know, they're in a great place. They've moved on. But it's us here who's being very distraught that's not quite moving on. Hey, you know, it's it's it takes a little while sometimes, and that's not a problem. But once we realize, oh yeah, it's it's just, you know, we have to be able to find the difference, discern the difference between what am I imagining that this person's going through and what are they really going through? So I that's how I start to learn about the difference between having compassion for someone and their experiences, because sometimes you know what they're going through is a lot of suffering. And you can have tremendous compassion for them, not criticize or judge 
what they're going through is bad and terrible and all that kind of stuff. But just to be able to see it and experience it as, yeah, you understand. They're going through this really tough experience. But you can be there for them. And that makes a huge difference. So the other flip side of things I learned from were <clears throat> that many, many times when someone was feeling sorry for me for getting hurt or suffering, then it made the hurt. If, if I was experiencing pain or if I was suffering in some way, it made it that much worse, worse. A lot of times when I was, you know, it wasn't that bad. I hurt, but it wasn't, you know, anything to write home about or anything. But somebody was, oh, you poor thing. And just putting all that, their imagined trauma and suffering into me. Whoa, that was, that was terrible. <laughs> that made it way, way worse. And, and it made it hard for me to handle it. Whereas before, when I was just going through the thing, yeah, it hurt and you know, a little bit, but no big deal. Moving right on. Okay, My healing process already started. But when somebody jumps in and feels sorry for me, oh, it stops that healing process, makes what I'm going through much worse. So I slowly, slowly over the years, I start to make that connection to, oh, even back when I was a kid, what I was doing to the critter friends when they died. But as experiencing the deaths of my, uh, especially my mother, my teacher, and more recently, a couple years ago, Shanti, our beloved great Pyrenees, and also more recently, another advanced student of ours who passed away, they made the most graceful exits I've ever personally witnessed as they're making their transition to being out of the body and being just in spirit. And that made the departures from here of loved ones more joyous celebrations rather than sorrowful experiences of loss. Of course, in my own near-death experiences of dying physically and returning here five different times, I've experienced total freedom and unending peace and joy uh, while I was dead, <laughs> so-called dead. So definitely, as Mark Twain cabled after his obituary was mistakenly published, he, he cabled, telegrammed, reports of my death are greatly exaggerated. <laughs> Good thing there was a time for him to do that. That was early fake news, wasn't it? Yeah. So uh, I, can, I can relate to that. The experience of one who believes death is the end will completely be different than the experience of the soul who has passed on and still experiencing life. In fact, in most cases, much more of it. You could say, you know, for me anyway, when I was dead, I was the most alive. <laughs> uh, there's nothing to compromise or limit experiencing life 
lift, you know, life and, and being alive. Well, even as a child, I remember wondering why people were so sad at the funerals and everything. And, oh, yeah, the difference. I finally realized between when I was sad for the critters and when I wasn't sad for the people who died and I was at their funeral was, oh, I got to see the spirit of the deceased being happy. And that's all I needed. Then I was good. I, I was going, oh, I don't have to be sad for them. Sometimes, yes, we were sad because we wanted to have them around more. Yeah, that, that happens probably to all of us. But when I can see, oh, my mother was joyous in her new freedom. And that's all I needed. And I asked her, you know, I, I felt bad that I wasn't there for her physically when she was dying. And she said, oh, no, I planned it this way. If you were there or your sister or Raphael or your dad was physically there, she said, I wouldn't have been able to do it. It's I wanted all of you out of the way so, <laughs> so I can go. She was ready. It was her time. And it made it easy for her. She says, yeah, it made it easier for me. Maybe that's a little selfish, but, but I said, no, that's, hey, it's your death. It's your transition. You got to do it the way that works for you. So great. No hard feelings, right? It was a joyous occasion. Since my childhood, <clears throat> I've had much more experience with animals in nature dying, especially when we lived up in Mount Shasta, surrounded by the forest. While living there on two occasions, I heard a thud on our picture window by the dining room. And when I went outside, I found a dead bird. The first time the bird even had a broken neck from the impact, I picked up uh, the body of the bird when I was there and, and I could start to give it some healing to help with the transition. I mean, it was dead, so I wasn't going to try to heal it back to life or anything. I was just giving it a healing to, you know, help it on, go on. Then I saw the spirit of the bird return into the body, and the whole bird just jerked a bit. I thought, that's interesting. And I watched, and this obviously broken, uh, the neck was at a right angle, you know, very strange situation. The neck started to straighten out, and the bird jerked again, and then it jumped up, stood on the palm of my hand, and I thought, whoa, it flew away. <laughs> It was quite the experience. The second time, a similar thing happened. Uh, there's a thud, went outside, bird's dead on the ground. I pick it up, it's all limp, but the neck wasn't broken this time. Yet the bird didn't have any kind of a heartbeat or uh, it wasn't breathing or anything. And I was giving it healing this time, thinking, okay, this is, you know, he's gone. And all of a sudden, the whole body was enclosed in a radiant gold light. Then the bird got up in my hand and flew off again. There were other, a couple of other birds I found similarly 
right after they died from hitting the window, but they remained dead, and I just helped the spirit make its full exit. And on top of that, we started to um, close down our window shade so the, yeah. so the birds wouldn't try to fly through the window. Yes, we had this beautiful picture window in our front, but uh, we kept it half closed anyway uh, all through so that the birds... Usually springtime was when they tended to do, do that. that the most, Sometimes yeah. you'd hear uh, 20 thuds in about four hours. Yeah. Really sad. Fortunately, most of them didn't get too hurt. Well, when Shanti, when we realized Shanti, our beloved great Pyrenees, was getting ready, she was old and, and to double her average life expectancy. And, Almost. And, you know, you can tell she was in pain a lot of times and she was having some doggy dementia. So mm-hmm. I start to, whenever I was home, I start to uh, work with Shanti pretty much every night for about two hours. I give her a massage. I talk to her. We just have this time just together. It was a beautiful, beautiful time. And so <clears throat> I was making this preparation for us, for her departure. And I say preparation for us rather than for her, because whenever someone close to you dies, you basically have to die with them. Not, you know, physically, uh, you don't have to stop breathing and all that. But my experience has been that it's usually more difficult for the person staying here physically than for the person leaving. With all that communication and time together with Shanti, when it was time for her to make her departure, it was certainly the most graceful and wonderful exit that I've ever had the joy to be part of. That was my experience, and her experience was, I'm sure, amazing. And learning to die correctly or to make a most graceful exit or to graduate with great pomp and circumstance is actually a lifelong learning and practice. Yet, how can you actually practice dying all your life? Isn't death a one-shot deal? And... So, ah. Our second break is coming right up. I have to cut in here, um, and I'll let Michael continue uh, um, after the break. So uh, if you've been wanting to take any of our classes or seminars but haven't been able to make it to them in person, you can always purchase the download, edited and mastered MP3 audio recordings by calling our office at one five three zero nine two six two six five zero weekdays during business hours Pacific time and if you get the voicemail do leave a message so our assistant can get back to you and if you would like this um, and you're calling from a foreign country please do email at um, michaeltamorainfo at gmail.com we have a wide range of topics we cover in them such as realize your soul's worth psychic tools for loving yourself Also, learning to use your intuition and clairvoyance joyfully, having the courage to be your compassionate self, and imagine that. Use your imagination and clairvoyance to transform your life. You can check out some of our available titles by going to michaeltamora.com and click on events, then click downloadable recordings. 
When we return, we'll continue our exploration of pomp and circumstance, a soul's perspective on dying. See you in a couple of minutes. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com If you are ready to be inspired, energized, and entertained, you've come to the right place with our two life-changing programs at BeTheStarYouAreRadio.com. Live every Wednesday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Listen for our lifestyle show, Star Style, Be The Star You Are, with our host, Cynthia Bryan. Then on Sundays at 3 p.m. Pacific, 6 p.m. Eastern, Teens Talk and the World Listens on Express Yourself Teen Radio. Play with with us at be the star you are radio.com and the voice america empowerment channel are you satisfied with your life do you know that more should be possible listen for the access consciousness radio show with the creators of access gary douglas and dr dane here our program offers pragmatic tools to change things in your life that you haven't been able to change until now what if all of life could come to you with ease joy and glory Tune in to Access Consciousness Thursdays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on Voice America Empowerment. Are you looking for a happier, healthier, and more fulfilled life? Do you want your business to thrive? Do you want to enjoy better relationships and find your purpose? Tune in every week to Stepping Into the Tenda Dao Chung Life Transformation with Dr. and Master Shaw with host Diana Gold Holland, who will share the wisdom of Master Shaw. You'll hear from inspiring teachers and listen to testimonials about life transformation. Stepping Into the Tenda Dao Chung can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. in the West and 6 p.m. in the East on Voice America Empowerment. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. You are listening to Living the Miracle. Michael and Raphael would love to hear from you. Reach the show today by calling 1-888-346-9141. Again, that's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to livingthemiracleradio at gmail.com. Now back to Living the Miracle. Welcome back. For those of you just joining us, we've been talking today about pomp and circumstance, a soul's perspective on dying and Michael was talking just before we took our break about uh, the wonderful graceful passing of our beautiful great Pyrenees dog Shanti of whom I am writing a book actually about her life and passings because she's been with us quite a few times but Michael go ahead and continue yeah I guess she was barking up the right tree (laughs) 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 yes you know it's so amazing in life. You you can learn from everyone and everything if you keep your eyes open, especially if you keep your third eye open. <laughs> hey, and, I want to throw something in sure. here. And that is uh, maybe for some of you who are newcomers to this show, one of the things that we see and know as our truth is that all creatures, all living things have souls of some type or another. Human beings are human souls. 
Dogs have dog souls. Plants have plant souls, and they uh, express themselves uh, in different ways. And they are born, and they die out from this world and evolve um, until and come back many times until they don't need to anymore. Yes, it's all a learning process. You know, it's life here in this world from the soul's perspective is, okay, time to go back to school. Like when I was growing up, I'm sure a lot of you have similar types of experiences of there's a school calendar, right? So school starts in the fall and then ends in the beginning of summer and and you have summer vacation or you go to summer school or whatever. So it's life is like that here. You go back in. Okay, going back in for <laughs> schools back on. <laughs> yeah. Another lifetime in in uh, on Earth. Okay, okay, I'm done with this grade, so I'm graduating. Pomp and circumstance. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> or sometimes it's being held back a grade and having yeah. to repeat the same lesson. <laughs> yeah. Oops, uh, you didn't make it this time. Uh, you fooled around. You you were. Uh, a delinquent <laughs> or lazy <laughs> lazy you got to do that again it's not so much the whole grade level again but whatever you you didn't get around to learning well you're still going to have to do that in the next uh chapter of your yeah, there's school. always another opportunity yeah it's always an opportunity not it's never a punishment a lot of times in regular schools here if you get held back a grade that's like punishment and embarrassment, humiliation, all kinds of stuff. And, oh, here goes the, the flunky, here goes the dummy. But, no, it's not like that at all in spirit. It's, no, it's, it doesn't matter how long it takes. Eternity never waits, and it's never in a hurry, because it's eternity. It never ends. So, anyway, I was, right before the break, I was starting to talk a little bit about how can you actually practice dying all your life? You know, it's simple to see if you want to learn to play piano, you practice it every day or whatever, right? Depends on the level of piano playing that you like to get to. If you're going to be a concert pianist, well, you're practicing hours every day. But if you just want to be able to play some Tune Christmas tunes at Christmas once a year so everybody can sing with you, uh, then you don't have to practice that much. But how can you actually practice something like dying? Isn't death a one-shot deal? <laughs> right? Most people think of death as, okay, you die, that's it. One shot. You don't get a repeat. Well, practicing dying, even setting aside Near-death experiences. The practice of dying is an everyday practice. Dying from a soul's perspective isn't about the death of a physical body. You don't have to kill off the body. In fact, if you kill off the body, that's not really dying. That's killing. Completely different. All right? On top of which, you come back and have that repeat lesson again. Yeah, you're, you're going to have to do it until you learn this, <laughs> what death is really about. It's the experience of letting go of being a body and resurrecting yourself as the spirit that you are and forever will be. 
Another way to say that is it's the experience of letting go of identifying yourself as I am this body. Okay, this is me. You know, how many times do we use our physical finger to point at our chest and says, this is me, this is me, you hit me, you know, <laughs> like that. We have a body, but we're not the body. So if we identify who we are as intimately involved with this body, and without this body I cease to be, well, guess what, folks? Got a lot to learn. But resurrecting ourselves as the spirit that we are, just means, oh, I'm not this body. I'm way more, way bigger, way, I'm, I'm limitless. I'm spirit. I'm that which is now and forever. Ah, okay. So the practice is simple, but challenging to master, okay? Doable, though. Yeah. You do it many, 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 many times a day, every single day. Well, you're going to master it eventually. But you got to do it. And you just have to pay attention to your thoughts and reactions, emotional and mental and everything, psychic, to every experience. And let go of your attachment to whatever the images that are in your mind that and what they dictate at any given moment. Seeing images in your mind as merely images rather than mistaking them for reality. Yeah, We're all seeing with our inner eye in our inner mind, right? We don't talk about it as seeing because most of you might not be able to recognize that it's an visual image. But you are thinking. You have a thought. You imagine stuff. Imagining means making an image, right? So you're, you're imagining images all the time in your mind, but your mind works so fast, you're not going through this process of, oh, there is this image I'm looking at, and that image has the thought in it that says, oh, how stupid can I be uh, that I didn't see this coming? You know, things like that, thoughts, or Gee, I really messed up when I, when I did this. That's an image that we create and, and judgments. It's a comp, uh, compound images, right? There's an image of something that happened, and then on top of it, we make an image that it was bad or it was a failure, it was a big mistake, or it caused me all kinds of pain, whatever. And on and on and on. How many more images do we stack on top of the original image that was just the image of whatever happened? Okay, so it's the identifying with the contents, the thoughts and feelings, the energy within the image and making it real in your mind, right? So the practice of dying correctly is to become aware of what you're experiencing and freeing yourself from identifying with and being that image or set of images. And if you practice this all the time, little by little, you begin to realize that you're definitely not a body of any sort and rejoice in the true limitless and eternal spirit that you are. Then, when you're all done, 
you'll know yourself with certainty and be able to just put your physical form aside as if you're taking off your clothes at night. Fold them up and go to bed. That's the transition. It's okay. You're done. You're out of here. No turning back. No regrets. Right? Then you're all done. You're complete. So the simple way we teach this once in a while in in our radio shows as well, but we teach this all the time when we're giving our seminars and workshops and retreats and everything else. But it's being able to just imagine, oh, okay, I can imagine any image, right? So we have you imagine an image of a rose and put it out there in front and just go, okay, here's this judgment. Oh, that's an idiot over there. Or this anger is coming up because this person told me this. And, oh, okay, do I want to stay in anger? Do I want to be stuck? Do I want to be fighting it? You know, I don't want to be angry. I don't want to be angry. No, I don't want to be doing any of that stuff. I'm, I'm ready to get on with things. Let's put it all in that image of the rose. We're creating this little container. Put it in the image of the rose. And then it's like throwing trash in the trash can. And then you go, okay. Then imagine the whole thing exploding in a flash of light. Ah, whoa, I feel a little lighter. My head's a little clearer. And you do this regularly. Every time these reactive emotional thoughts and stuff come up and judgments and competition and, and you know, resistance, any of that stuff, fear, guilt, you put it in that rose and just go, oh, yeah, this is just junk. I don't need to live this out. I don't need to try to figure it out. I don't need to solve anything. I just have to put it in the rose and explode it. Let it go. Ah, And then create some new energy, new life force. We call that creating a golden sun, image of a golden sun. And then we just create that golden sun and just bring it in. Fill in from the top of the head all the way through the body. Just fill up with this radiant golden sun, life force energy. Give yourself more life. Yeah, it's, it's free for the asking. So imagine it, just bring it in and know that it's so. Then, ah, instead of carrying around lousy energy that you don't really want to live in, dispense with that, bring in new energy. And what would you like to do with this new energy? Oh, how about celebrating? How about being happy with yourself instead of being, you know, blaming yourself and punishing yourself? Ah, that's taking a new step. So what's important in life is not whatever already happened, whatever you've already been through, as fun or as painful as it may have been, but you're done with that. Or are you? That's the choice we all have. We can be choose not we could choose not to be done with it and carry it around like a sack of stones on our back everywhere we go. Or we can go, you know what? I'm tired of this. <laughs> I don't I don't think I want to carry this around anymore. Great. Let's let it go. Drop it. I always refer to the dog obedience school. First thing you learn, 
Drop it. <laughs> Drop mm-hmm. it. <laughs> That's the first thing I teach when I teach a class. Drop it. <laughs> <laughs> you want to carry this around? No, just drop it. Put it in the rouse and explode it. Let it go. Create that new life force energy. Bring it in. Fill it in. And those of you who are new to our radio show, if you go to our website at michaeltamore.com and go to, there's a, you know, the heading labels at the top. There's one that called one that's called, I think, free stuff. And you click that, and it drops down menu. There's an audio free stuff. And if you click onto that, it'll take you to a place on our website that has the a link to download a two-hour uh, audio class uh, on spiritual your spiritual toolkit. And you'll be able to learn from this the basic four or five or six tools that we always teach to get everybody started. And you can practice this on your own. And once you start to learn how to ground yourself and be able to manage your energy, find your space, and imagine this image, and you just put whatever it is that's coming up in your mind that you're done with, put it in, explode it, let it go. Yeah. So that's something for you. It's all free. And um, uh, enjoy it. It's a really great set of tools. Also, I wanted to mention that if you happen to be in that situation where someone you know is dying, you'll see a lot of times family drama happening around that person. And you might even feel drawn into it. But this is a great place to use those tools, especially the pictures and judgment, even when people are behaving poorly around a dying person. Just remember yourself, that dying person has half of him or herself in the spirit world, so they're okay, even if their body is going through stuff. All right. Well, we're coming to the end of our show. There's so much we can talk about here. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed it and gained some new insights and tools. Be sure to join us next Wednesday for our show, Miracles Come in All Shapes, Sizes, and Styles. We're doing... Uh, a whole new series on miracles. We'll explore some of the variety of ways in which we experience what we call miracles in our everyday lives. Remember, too, that our teleclasses will be about your psychometry, how objects tell stories on Saturday, February 8th from 10 a.m. to noon Pacific time. Be sure to check out our website events listing for February for all details and to sign up. You can also sign up by calling our office at one five three zero nine two six two six five zero. Hope to see you there. Until then, be inspired, use your imagination, and follow your intuition joyfully. This is Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura. We'll see you next week. We appreciate your joining us today. Living the Miracle with Michael and Raphael Tamura can be heard live every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Until we talk again next week, remember to wake up to who you are. It's your purpose here on Earth. 